0: This episode is sponsored by WHOOP. If you don't know what WHOOP is, it is a fitness tracker. You've probably seen it on the wrist of guys like Rory or Justin Thomas, Tiger, Scott Stallings. And they're using it to track a few different metrics. One is strain, the other is recovery and sleep. And from what I've seen, what I've heard, most people talk about recovery and sleep as being these metrics that they're really enjoying diving into. Recovery is really simply how well you're ready to perform the next day. The more that you're covered, the better you can perform at your peak. It's a stat that is worth tracking and I've found a lot of value personally and from what I've heard other pros talking about with me of how they're using it. Whoop is a sponsor of the podcast and has given us an awesome discount code. You can use GSL to get a discount when you pick up your whoop band and we also have a whoop team which is awesome so everybody in the golf science lab community who's picked up a band we can kind of see what everyone's doing you can make this into a game and try to get to your best when it comes to sleep and recovery and what you're doing with strain so you can head over to golfsciencelabcom whoop and there's a code that you can uh, enter in and join our team it'd be really fun to get everyone who's picked up a whoop band involved on that so make sure to check that out and at whoop.com uh, code gsl for a discount We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I wanted to share a conversation that I had last week. Um, This is one with Mike Adams, phenomenal instructor he's uh, you know perennial in the top 10 top five on, on the golf magazine and golf digest top teachers list he's really had a big impact on teaching he's a mentor for a lot of top instructors and i wanted to share a conversation that we had on our live show actually every tuesday wednesday and thursday we've been going live on facebook and YouTube. This has been uh, myself and Nick Clearwater from Golf Tech. We have been having a great time and wanted to share this conversation with you because it's more audio based. Uh, You don't need the visuals. We've been trying to make a lot of these live shows fun and interactive. And uh, this is a conversation that was worth sharing here on the podcast. So this is with Mike Adams, a great conversation, kind of his philosophy, just so you can get to know him a little bit wanted to share this make sure to check out the live show we've been putting a lot of work into this trying to make this entertaining and interesting and educational for you all you can catch all the recordings on youtube or facebook uh, or join us live so you can ask some questions and hang out would really appreciate it all right let's get into it with mike
1: hey this is awesome i'm so excited we have a really awesome round table here there's five of us here today including harvey um he's going to leave his input i guess throughout if he snores we're going to move on to the next topic that's kind of he's fun. very
2: opinionated today he's got good. a lot to say uh, yeah, very opinionated he's getting to lay down nick,
1: the and sleep nick it's good to have you back we missed you last thursday thanks man i only missed one day how'd you do without me we did okay we did we did okay not you know more. you weren't here Your how did
2: brad do more importantly
1: brad he did. screwed it up yeah we figured was out good. that it would take me a, a driver and an eight iron to hit it as far as he hits his driver so
2: mm, you man. should see him putt though. Not not good, huh? Have you ever watched someone like a, this putter takes it back, ground is my hand. It, he would do a really nice job of hitting the putt if the ground moved down here. Sometimes the putter goes down and actually gets stuck on the backswing. Oh man, I know poor Brad.
1: We'll have to bring him back on and, and work on his putting. I guess. Yeah, he
2: doesn't do the putting putting lesson shows. I guess not. Well, congrats, Nick.
1: You added someone to the family this past year yeah. Thanks, ago. man.
2: So. Thanks. My office hours are great now. Cause I can do a whole lot more. I'm awake from midnight until seven in the morning, every day, <laughs> all the time. Well, that's
1: fine. We'll change the live into to like three, 4.00 AM. It'll be perfect. We'll get that. No late problem. Crowd.
2: I'll be ready. Well, now between you well, and I, Nick,
3: we've
4: got, we've got a whole basketball team women's women's <laughs> basketball
2: team. So we're all set. As soon as we're done with this, we'll get a game going. Cordy. Yes. Who's on? Let's talk about these guys. These guys are very important. We've got an incredible
1: show today. I'm going to kick it over to, to Matt Rudy from Golf Digest, and he's going to intro our guest. He works a lot with Mike. Matt, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I,
4: it's it's nice to sit here with some of my friends and talk about golf. Uh, I've been doing this stuff at golf for 20 years, writing uh, writing golf instruction. And Since my first year at Golf Digest, when we did the first uh, 50 best teachers list, Mike Adams was on that list then, and he's number two on that on that list this time. And of course Nick he's he's new to the list this year. So we've got two guys who know an awful lot about the game and, and Mike Mike's been researching researching and teaching the game for forty years. And uh here the story is not only about uh what it's like to stand on the on the range and, and work with, with all different kinds of players from tour winners all the way down to you know, choppers at the club level, but then to back it up with the with the research he's done and the and the the drive he has to learn things. I, mean, I really respect that a lot. And I try to surround myself with people who want to know, you know, they want, they want to learn and they want to know uh, you won't find somebody with better credentials. Who's also more open to new information than Mike Adams. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be sitting here talking to him and to, and to bring him into this group with, with so many of my friends. So I, I'm really, enjoy, I'm really going to enjoy today. It's awesome. Hey Mike, what you started on the list, how long
3: ago? First <laughs> one, the first one, the first, first one. one, me and Abe Lincoln were on the list together.
2: Oh, <laughs> Honest, Dave, I bet he was a great teacher. Where were you on the first list? What number did they rank
3: you at, your friends? They were? didn't have numbers at the beginning. No? Yeah, yeah. it was just uh yeah top. 50 numbers were invented back. Ago. It was top still, fifty. I was like the abacus nine. back then. I think the last twenty years I've been every, everywhere from two to eleven.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. No, it's it's pretty cool to have you here. Absolutely.
3: It's good to be here.
2: So, Mike, we're going to
1: talk a little bit about some screens. Some different types of golf swing, kind of how you categorize things, which is which is fascinating to me. Over the years, I've been able to to learn from you a little bit, and and others that you've taught some of this, and um, it's it's really cool stuff. So, I could you kind of just maybe take us back, like where does this idea of screening someone and trying to figure out where they fit in, their golf swing fits in, where does it come from, or how did you get down this this path?
3: Well, it came to about thirty plus years ago. I decided to quit guessing and start uh, measuring. I uh, it's a lot easier to measure somebody and figure out what's going on than guess. And I was very fortunate, Dr. Chuck Dillman, who was the biomechanist for the U.S. Olympic team, and um, Dr. Uh, Jim Sudmeyer, who was also a biomechanist, they we decided to do a study. And we went out on tour and with force plates and did 3D motion capture with, this is back in the old days when there was wires and you had to hand digitize. And we did about uh, hundred players at six different events total, and uh, they showed me what I was teaching was wrong, and uh, that my what my what I thought was correct wasn't even close and then I began to figure it out, so I, I had to come up with a, a system to be able to measure so that i wouldn't be going down the wrong rabbit hole uh, every time
2: and that's interesting that's mike so the the Were they PhDs, scientists who helped you do the the swing measuring, or what was their background?
3: Jim Sedmeyer, a biomechanist, PhD, and the other was Dr. Chuck Dillman, who was a PhD, and he was the head of the U.S. Olympics biomechanics.
2: So how did they help you explain that what you were teaching was wrong?
3: Well, no, they they just showed me what, what what the research showed. And from there, we started realizing, you know, instead of trying to make everybody one swing, but I needed to allow them to be what they were. Basically, different grips. If you look at Snead's right-hand grip, it's more its more on top, okay? But you look at Trevino's, it's more under. You look at, you know, uh, Jose Maria Alathabo, he pivoted back around his left leg, where Vijay Singh pivots back around his right leg. So there's all different examples of different players. So we need to figure out how we determine who should be doing what.
1: So, give us a give us an example, or like, what are some different different categories that people fit in?
3: Well, you have basically three posts. You can either pivot back around the front leg and through around the front leg. The reason stack and tilt works so well is because there was a group of players who were front post and weren't allowed to do it. And then when they were allowed to do it, they they flourished and played great. Then you have guys who pivot back around the right leg. They sw- they move to the right and move to the left. Jimmy Ballard made it famous. Uh, that's why Sutton did so well with him and some of those guys. And then you have the guys who are more centered, who uh, pivot more around their pelvis where the right hip goes back and the back swing and the left hip goes back in the through swing. So what we see is different posts. We also see different right-hand grips. And that's why we have a test for that, where we have them put their hands together and swing the right arm back to see where the right arm goes, determine how they should be gripping the club so they can swing the club most dynamically and efficiently.
4: Making my job as a golf instruction content producer difficult because it means I can't, you, know, you can't just do a, a blanket one-off tip that works for everybody. It's a, there's, there's a variety of information that works for a variety of players, and it, it forces us to, to be a little bit more creative and subtle about how we, how we you know, get people going in the right direction. It's, it's, a, it's a fun new challenge as opposed to just slapping out some one-size-fits-all instruction.
3: That's Well, somebody said to me, he says, how long does it take for you to measure somebody? And it takes about five minutes. So why not measure and figure out what they should be instead of guessing and rolling the dice and hope you got it right?
2: Yeah. No, I like your uh, strategy for sure. Guessing is uh, too much of that happens in golf anyway. That's why we're lucky enough to be able to measure swings on system Phil Cheatham's designed in every single lesson. So we can measure things down to the, the degree or tenth of an inch. You mentioned the the post piece. Uh, can I start by asking you how you came up with the terminology that you use?
3: Well, front means they're pivoting around the front leg, okay. rear, they're pivoting around the, the rear leg in the back, and center, they're staying center and then moving left.
2: Wow. Post is more specific of what I was looking at. Or sometimes you use a, a side or under, or cover, or over. Well, those how are grips. Come up with those terminologies.
3: Well, uh, visualize you've got a ball in your hand. Yep. Okay, two hands. Like this, your right hand is now on the side of the ball, right? right. So if your right hand grip is like that, we call it side on. Now move your yep. right hand to the top, okay? Now your right hand is on top, so that grip would be on top. Now move your right hand to under, and guess what that grip is? Under
2: Oh, you beat me to it. Got it. okay, how about the um, you mentioned the post piece, left, center, right? How many inches of pelvic sway do you do? measure each well, of
3: those at we check where they're pivoting and uh when we're on the uh, force plates because we measure with huh? three force plates both uh, sure. mark to move kistler plates and swing catalyst and we check it tells us exactly where they are uh as they go back so it's not gotcha. we measure them and then we also test them the swing and we see where they are and where they should be
2: okay gotcha so the so you're, not, so you're using the, the 3D plate and the amount the COPs moving left or right when they make just a normal swing to right.
3: determine? Right, well, with a measurement, and then with, or left when or right. they make a normal swing and when they've been playing their best. Example, I mean, uh, Aaron Badley's a good example. He's a front post golfer, okay? He okay. Uh, was moving to the right. They are working on that. He was 78% right, was as far as he went, which is more center, and his club head speed was 108 miles an hour. Right. Terry Tessenden, he should be front, got him working more, pivoting around the front leg. His club head speed went to 119.
2: Mm-hmm. And what do you attribute the 11 miles an hour to?
3: Well, because he's using his body the way it's designed to be used. He's not fighting his body.
2: Is there something in particular that he's not fighting now that he
3: used to be fighting? Well, yeah. I mean, if he moves to the right, he doesn't always get back to the left.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's really- for sure. We see that so, all the
3: time, for sure. So staying left for him is a huge advantage, where Lydia Ko was uh, number one in the world, 94 miles an hour, 93 miles an hour, shifted to the right. She was a big rear poster, and that's what she tested out to be. They moved, got her more centered, and now her clubhead speed is 84 miles an hour, and she's no yeah. longer number one in the world.
2: Yeah, yeah. She's changed a lot. She might have one of the worst downswings on the LPGA Tour right now, and it looks like you could literally stand in front of her and, and she get hit with you. a golf ball. and It wouldn't hurt. Her. No. No, it's, no, it's sad to see what's happened to her career as well. How about uh, at Impact? Do you feel like the at Impact do you have a, a post measurement that you discuss to the left, no. right, or center? Okay, how many inches of pelvic sway do you like at Impact?
3: Well, it's different for each person. I mean, we don't have a set number that we're trying to shoot for. Sure. All yeah. we're trying to do is uh, everybody is different. We measure them, and the answer to every answer is it depends.
2: So then, how do you pick which one, uh, uh, which one at impact to use? Which gonna be the measurement? Or...
3: No, they're going to be on the left side, uh, and how they deliver the force is different for each each of the posts, uh, which we could talk for hours about.
4: And That's there's a way, to, and there's a way to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
2: Right. Uh,
3: we've done a ton of studies with uh, Mike Duffy, Phil Cheatham, Sasha McKenzie, and. JP, Fernandez and Scott Lynn. And I traveled all over the world with those guys. And what we've done is we measure everybody and determine what they should be. And then uh, every time we do it, it's a minimum of 6 to 8 miles an hour increase and maximum of 25 miles an hour that we've seen. Corey, the lesson that you received from Sasha McKenzie was a lesson that I gave him in Hawaii and it increased his club speed 12 miles an hour. And then he gave it to you and he increased your club speed. I think it was 11 uh, miles. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it was, it was uh, definitely, definitely helpful. That's for sure. Well, Nick, should we hop in to do some screens
2: and so people can yeah. see some, some of what we're talking about a little bit. Let's do it. I am exactly. curious to hear what, what kind of instruction you got to increase 11 miles an hour of clubhead speed too. I got to hear that story. That's, that's, that's a secret, Nick.
1: You're going to have to. Secret?
2: Oh, you can't tell me. All right. Yeah, but
1: yeah,
3: you, no, no. you have to understand uh, <laughs> Nick. it's not the same for each person.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, and I totally agree with that, Mike. Every everybody needs a little different pill for sure. That's uh, that's not it. I'm curious what Mike's Mike's little pill was. have was it the follow through or how to bend the dimension in golf that usually gives people the most speed is either making a longer backswing or learning how to bend themselves in the in the sagittal plane.
3: Well, also it's how you use the ground. Uh, yeah. Putting, how you put the force in the ground, whether it's rotational, vertical, or horizontal. I mean, it's everybody has a different amount of each.
2: Yeah. So it was Cordy, your right, lesson more how to get the vertical part. Um, my lesson
1: with Sasho was to have it. The, the simple cue was to have a faster backswing. Okay. Um, to, okay. To have to use more force at the top of the backswing to start the downswing. Gotcha. Um, awesome. And it, and I jumped from probably 113 to 119. Club Sounds backswing. like a good lesson. Nicely done. It it was very, very simple and uh, something to something that I could actually do right away which was which
3: well as weird. soon as you speed the arms up the legs speed up and that's how they teach splinters to run faster the so faster arm swing
1: well let's jump in here should we do what should we do mike should we do uh, the let's post- do the
3: post test since you don't have anything okay. but putters back there place the club across the top of your thighs and face us
1: okay so golf posture and then right across the thighs okay
3: and simply just pivot back okay notice how you're pivoting around your left leg that would make you a front post golfer.
1: Now, I guess my question is, I know that like long drive guys, for instance, get more pressure on their, their, their rear.
3: That's not, That's not true. That's not true. Who are the two, okay. the two longest? Cameron Champ is the longest on the PGA Tour, right? Yep. And he's a front post golfer. I mean, you go through the Bryson Chambeau is front post, one of the longest on tour. I mean, it's a myth that you have to shift to the right to hit it farther. Yanni Singh, 107 miles an hour, fastest ever recorded in the LPJ Tour. Front post, they got her shifting to the right. Clippet speed's 94 miles an hour. So the big shift to the right didn't make her swing faster; okay. it made her swing slower and hit it worse.
2: Now, Mike, is that? Do you just put that uh, um, the testament to that as that's not what she's naturally designed to do? So that's why she swings slower. Is there something mechanical that she does different well, that, while moving to the right? It is, it it is right?
3: mechanical because it's it doesn't fit how she's predisposed to move. Okay. Nick,
1: what, so what was your test? Did you do that post-test as well? Uh, I don't know. Did I do it right?
3: See, see, he's more centered. He's pivoting around the center, not staying left.
2: Is that
1: right, so
3: Mike?
2: Did I do it okay?
3: Yeah, you didn't mess it up.
1: <laughs> Love it. So far, Love so it. good. Mike, the other thing that I've done uh, with Scott Lynn, who's a biomechanist, was... To I've done to a ton balls, of stuff with him. You hit golf balls on the left foot, feet together, exactly. and then on the right foot and see which one is fastest.
3: Well, there's standing on the left foot, feet together, and left foot back. That was, I developed that. And they use that, and it shows it, the different clubhead speeds at different positions. So there's three different ways that we do it. But they all come back to the same result. Nick, have
2: you ever heard of that before? Not that particular test. I mean, I've heard Mike talk about it before, but not really in, in great detail. So I'd be curious just to even hear, touch more about that, Mike, which, what the well, results are.
3: We have guys, once we test them, and uh, if, we, if we're if we not sure if they're between front and center or between center and rear, we'll have them hit shots with the feet together and then hit shots with the right foot drop back, left foot drop back, and they hit more, sh- more speed with feet together, they're more centered. If they hit it more with the uh, left foot drop back, they're more rear. Then we'll have them hit, sh- or if they're between front and center, we have them drop the right foot back. They're about four inches apart, just a little bit back, and they have hit shots, and having them hit shots with the feet together. We have a track man behind them, and it gives us club head speed and solidness of contact.
2: Yep, I think that's great. When Cordy and I are doing that test, are you, uh, how are you determining which post we are visually when you're
3: watching? Well, I mean, you can pretty much see, his, uh, okay. Can you see me? Yes. Okay. Um, what is my post?
1: I would say I'm rear.
3: I am rear, correct. If you see this, what are you seeing? Front, and this is more center.
2: Okay. So you're watching, I suppose, the thoracic sway?
3: Yeah, you can call it it that. That measurement? No, I'm watching more down below. Or or you're
2: watching the pelvis more than anything? I'm watching the pelvis. Okay. Gotcha. All right. When you have someone on, like, swing catalyst who's a pelvis, thorax... When they make a backswing, you can make the center of pressure move around in multitude of ways, which I, I understand that you know. When you see yeah. someone who might move their pelvis toward the target, but retain the forward flexion that they had to address in that sagittal okay.
3: point. You see that? Okay. Zach Johnson is a good example of that.
2: Exactly. He's, yeah.
3: That's what we call, uh, you know, basically all he's doing is he's creating a counter swivel because he's an under grip and that's, that way he can access his dominant dimension. Then you have the other, the counter uh, tilt, where they, they're actually rear and they pivot this way, but you see them leaning back to the left, uh, a la uh, BJ Singh or Colin Montgomery. Sure.
2: Okay. How would you classify, like, uh, um, Zach, then?
3: Zach is front
2: post. He's an under golfer. Because his pelvis yeah. moves towards the target. Okay. I think I got it.
3: Uh-huh. Any other questions? can not have been that clear.
2: <laughs> no i love
1: let's it try,
3: I love let's it. try the other grip let's try the grip test yeah let's
1: the, do this, this is the this is the side cover under right
3: right this gives you what your right hand should be
1: on and, and your grip on the golf
3: club correct okay okay so, cordy turns yeah that's right hands together right hand slightly lower okay exactly. Now stabilize your shoulders and swing both arms to the right allowing the right arm to bend Okay, notice where your palm is facing. Facing down. That, yeah, so that's more side cover. The grip is, is the palm, the forearm, the shoulder, and the elbow. The more the right elbow goes up, the more on top you are. The more the right elbow tucks in, the more under you are. Who are um, some who are some, who are some
4: players that would be in dramatically different positions than, the, than those guys?
3: Go ahead and put the picture of Paul Casey in. Okay, notice Adam Scott on the right. His right elbow tucks in. Palm is facing more up. He is side under. Paul Casey on the left is, see how the right elbow has gone back and up? He's more side cover, which is how he grips it. And the other is how Adam Scott gripped it. In fact, we were talking to Paul Casey and I said, so your right hand needs to be more on top when you play. He says, I hit it best that way. He says, but my teacher, Peter Costas, keeps moving my right hand square to neutral. And I said, uh, so how do you hit it? He says, I hit it terrible from there. But he says, I fooled him. I opened the club face up and at a dress. In essence, he moved the right hand on top. And he says, I hit it great from there.
2: I think Adam Scott shaves his forearms. Totally does. Look at that. Anyway, are you just jealous, exactly. Matt? Is that why you said that? Was that just a reaction? It's a reaction. Yeah, fair enough. Mike, I have a question about this one. So uh, um, on the backswing, you're looking at Adam Scott and Paul Casey at this point in time. Neither of them would make a very functional backswing moving like this. So I'm wondering. Actually, that's, uh, not, true.
3: that's not true.
2: Well, neither you know, one look of them swing like this. Or maybe I should Actually, start with that.
3: Adam Scott does tuck because there is some movement of the shoulders and hips, but we're just trying to isolate what the arm is going to do.
2: Fair but they enough. Do I know work. that, at, like, Adam you're Scott tucks
3: at, the right arm. Yeah, he does, uh, for
2: sure. The uh, left ball, arm, the left ball, arm, ball, arm Casey, flexion. And the pushing out, that's different than how he would have it. At We're almost at the point in time where his left humerus is parallel to the ground. That's not the orientation he would ever have that swing. He's got that further behind him. So do you feel like sure, this? Because, uh,
3: let me answer the question. There would, be, there would be pivot at that point, the hips and the, right. the shoulders. And the same thing with Paul Casey. He does move back and up. His right elbow goes back, and his face looks a lot more shut in the backswing.
2: Sure. So you and feel like the test... Uh, irrespective of the other recruitments of different joints and the different uh, mobility you all we're trying to see is, turning. Well, and,
3: all we're trying to see is how the right arm works in the backswing. Because it's like we said, it's shoulder, forearm, elbow, and right hand it dictated. And then that allows us to put the right hand on correctly.
1: Okay. So, so in my case, as a side cover, I need to crank my right hand this way more, correct?
3: Well, you just need to keep it a little more on top, okay? You're gonna be. You're gonna grip it like Kupka does, more the way that you know Cameron Champ does, or Bryson does, or Paul Casey, Ricky Fowler, you know Rory McIlroy, Thomas Peters, Alex Noron, Patrick Reed, Martin Keimer.
4: Those are some good comps. <laughs>
3: Those are yeah. good
2: players. Yeah, you should be a little more like that, Cordy. I I should be it. I, I
3: <laughs> yeah, but you know guys like Adam run, like, Scott. At least you know it. You know, like Xander Shockley, the right hands more under uh, Justin Thomas, Adam, uh, Patrick Cantley, you know, John Rom, uh, Fred Couples, Martin Trainer. There's a bu- there's a bunch of them. And great thing being a medalist. I'm able to go up and test all of them.
2: Yep. Well, that's cool to have such proximity to all those amazing players. Gives you such a good background in uh, seeing what the best in the world
3: do. Well, like if Matthew I, Wolf's right hand is very much on top. That's sure. why he's at the club to the outside. And that's why he does what he does. I mean. His swing really isn't unusual because he swings the way he should according to the grip.
2: That's great. I appreciate you hearing saying that because I don't think Matt Wolf's swing is unusual either. The way he does the radial deviation and some of how he pulls his arms apart in the backswing, those are very noticeable. But the rest of how he's really moving throughout the swing isn't all well, that much different from right hand traditional so he'll make swing. That
3: right elbow we'll move out.
2: Sure. So if uh, that picture of Paul Casey that you had, I don't know if you can throw that up one more time, Cordy. So if Paul Casey comes to you or any PGA tour player comes to you and they say like in Paul's case, I'm having a hard time drawing the ball, Mike, I want to draw it more. Do you still tell him to put the number three pressure point? index finger of your trail hand more on, on the side or on top of the shaft ever so yes. slightly?
3: I mean, Roy McIlroy is a side cover golfer. Uh, all you do is you you shift the plane. You close the stance so they can hit uh, draws. Uh, allows them to hit up on it and hit draws. Where the opposite, for an under guy who's uh, more predisposed to draw the golf ball, you yeah. do what Lee Chavino does. You do what J.B. Holmes does. You do what uh, Zach Johnson, I mean, uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, John Rom does they open the stance up and shift the plane to the left. It's just, you you don't have to uh, try to manipulate anything, you just shift.
2: Okay,
1: Matt, I wanna hear from Matt a little bit. I I know, you know, personally talking to a lot of instructors that have begun to understand this information from Mike um, and have learned this, how much do you see this impacting instruction, some of these screens
2: and whatnot uh, over the last few
4: years? I think the work that Mike is doing, I think the work that Nick is doing, I think the work that people like my friend, Mike Jacobs is doing, Terry rolls. The, all, oh yeah. Terry rolls. All of these people are um, are people that and uh, they don't, and they want to eliminate some of the folklore in, in golf instruction. And I think that's a difficult place for some coaches to be in because if you've coached your entire career based on, an estimate or on a you know a, an anecdote that somebody told you that it got passed down from some other teacher it's you know it can be threatening to to hear about information that might be contrary to what you coach or what you believe but i think what's permeating golf instruction is real information real measurements and i think it's in in special coaches there's a mixture of real information with the artistry of interpersonal relationships and you know the actual coaching part the the people part and the coaches that are good at both of those things are ones that are flourishing and i say it all the time we're in a an awesome awesome era for the democracy of information just look at what we're doing now we're, we're in a place where we can share this stuff with with as many people who are who want to see it and for free instantly and I think if you wanted to learn stuff I mean Michael tell you stories about being a young uh, professional you know, he had to drive himself around the country and, and try to find the right mentors and by process of elimination and and try to try to figure out figure out what roads to go down and then now you can you can find that information in all these different places you can find mentors you can you can learn different things and, and figure out how to apply it and and you can see that in, in some of the the businesses and some of the the profiles that a lot of coaches have been building, whether it's on social media or you know in, in videos they make and seminars they give, I think there's there's never been a better time to 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 flourish as a golf instructor, and there's never been more availability of great information. And I think we're just now in the sorting out period where where some people are are still trying to 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 incorporate in what they do day in and day out.
3: Well, they can find out more about our system because we're uh, we're doing a webinar. Starting Friday, ultimategolflesson.com. They can find out all the information about it.
4: Yeah, it's everybody. It's the biomechanists. It's, uh, it's coaches coming together to talk about uh, the ways they, they share it. I'm lucky that I get to spend a lot of time, and, and, and I, I tend to gravitate toward coaches that, 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 that want to know, whether it's Randy Smith in Dallas, you know, somebody, somebody who's just a legendary coach who's got, who's got great information. He's got an amazing touch with people. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Nick. I spent a lot of time with Mike. I'm lucky that I get to, to to be around people that that are 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 fun to have a beer with and, and have a lot of information and are and are committed to to figuring out how to to share it with people in the most effective way for the person in front of them.
2: Mike, I think it's awesome that you and Matt are putting on this event. I know you're doing most of the work and Matt's just going to sit there. And Actually, talk
3: it's it. Jerry Rolls, myself, and Matt. And then we've got all the biomechanists. Phil Cheatham is on and Scott Lynn and uh, JP Fernandez and, you know, Mike Duffy and Sasha. They're all going to be on. Do it.
4: I like all uh, those guys. My only job is to be, is just to, just to mute people if they get out of line. And I really like that job. <laughs>
2: That's pretty good. Matt, you mentioned something interesting. I want to get Mike's take on, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit easier than it would have been. And Matt's uh, little hint there if you read Under the Veil a little bit. Ten years ago, you couldn't just get online and uh, produce content and no. get to be known as a teacher, irrespective of who you taught, what you knew. Nowadays, it's a little bit easier to do that. I'm not saying it's simple. I think uh, there are some, some crazy stories of people coming out of uh, no teaching background whatsoever, teaching tour players even. Uh, i've seen it happen what's your take on uh the new wave of coaches who are becoming popular mainly from either being making crazy social media posts being a uh a face or just stuck to their keyboard a lot whether they have a positive or bullying right. attitude and helping that move themselves up in the profession
4: uh, I, I think w- one vulnerability in general that golf ha- golf as a sport has and golf instruction as a as an element of that has is Historically, I think golf has been behind, whether culturally, uh, you know, tech, in terms of technology, in terms of attitudes, the sport is behind. And uh, yeah. so I think there are a lot of people that, that in, in golf coaching who don't have as firm a grasp on what technology can do as others. And, um, and, I, and I think that lets some people take advantage of that, of, the, of that vacuum and fill the vacuum with information. I think some of them have been, done a terrific job. Some of them have probably been more damaging than, than others. But to go back to the previous point, what I think is great about it is you didn't you don't have to have the 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 luck of of going and be an assistant pro for Mike Adams and you know in 1992 or for with Randy Smith or with Butch Harmon or Jim McLean or you know, any any of these David Haney. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. A coach a coach could really give you an amazing grounding in what and 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 how to teach uh, you could you could be Mike Jacobs and grow up on Long Island and 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 play uh, be a municipal golfer. And and find your own way and find your own information and and that's very appealing. I grew up in a factory town in Michigan, and I had to figure my own way. And that's that's appealing to me for sure. Uh, And what's fascinating is there are players on tour who have chosen coaches based on Instagram posts, or they've chosen coaches based on Twitter a Twitter feed, and younger younger players who see that as a source of information and are determining for themselves if it's valid information or not, whether that means they're putting their coach through the paces to see if it works or they're just looking for a hail Mary because they don't have a lot of self-confidence yet. That Those are all things that are fascinating to study because those are the elements that go into determining who champions are these days. You know, you, you need mm-hmm. to be able to not only figure out the right thing to do for yourself, but have the gumption and the self-confidence to, to know what to discard if it doesn't work. And, um, you know, the, you hear it from Brandel Shambly a lot, you know, where, where he's 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 very hard on modern instruction, and I think partially because he got some instruction that he didn't like. But but I firmly believe that you're the gatekeeper of your own game, and uh, whether you were playing in 1950 or 2000 or 2020, you're responsible for what you do or don't do. And there there certainly is coaching malpractice out there, but you have a much better chance nationwide at a golf tech at a, a mid range country club in America. Today, you have a much better chance, thanks to the work of all these people that we're talking about right here, of getting a very good golf lesson than you have ever had in the history of this game, because the the bar, the sort of passing grade bar of information for a golf instructor is so
2: much higher now than it used to be. Mike, I think Matt covered it. Did he miss anything?
3: I don't think so. Uh, basically, I think online instruction has its place, especially during the lockdown. But if you can't see people hit balls and what the ball flight is and what's going on. You can make assumptions and make suggestions. And if it doesn't fix the ball flight, it's not fixing the player. I mean, you need to be able to make them hit it better and hit it more readily and be able to play because they have to take it out on the golf course. I mean, there isn't, you don't take a, you don't take a golf swing and you get scored. Oh, that was a 10 swing. Put the drive 320 down the middle. You actually have to hit the ball. And when it comes right down to it, I mean, I, I would say, uh, 50% 50% of my lessons are on the golf course because I have to teach them how to, once I get them to hit it, I've got to teach them how to use it.
2: Yeah. I love the environment of like what we use. And it sounds like you do something similar, Mike. We have such a, a sterile, tightly controlled like Petri dish in here where you can get a lot done very quickly. But then uh, once that work's done and you teach somebody to hit whatever shot you'd like them to, whether it's a tiny draw or straighten something out or stop hitting them fat, then it's time to go outside and teach them how to play golf. So that's what we do too. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, I, I love when I, when I go to a golf tech center, the thing I love is the removal of variables. And then there are a lot of coaches that, that uh, have an intuitive nature that can figure things out, but the process might take longer because they, they aren't taking one variable out at a time. And when you okay. can, when you can go to a place like a golf tech center and see how things are measured and see what variables actually impact what's going on. I know Mike, you and I have talked about that a lot and yep. uh, the coaches that can do that and understand that turning this knob by itself does one thing and turning all the knobs at the same time in different directions does a different thing. You would be surprised yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, that that level of yeah. sophistication is, is beyond a lot of coaches because they just start turning lots of knobs. and
2: uh, yeah. That's got to be extremely unsatisfying for a student, I would think. Yep, doesn't need to be that way. Uh, you can make golf as simple or as complicated as you want, but your instruction should not be very complicated if it doesn't have to be.
4: Or, I mean, it can be complicated under the hood,
2: you know, the, yeah, the you know, if if, yeah. if you
4: open Mike's brain up and looked inside it or open your brain up, or we had a, or we had a, a biomechanical conversation with, you know, the, the 10 smartest in the country, it can get pretty next level pretty fast. But that the art, the art of, of a Mac, of a Mac computer sitting on my desk here is that it's super complicated, but it doesn't look complicated to me. I'm just moving the mouse and it does what
2: I want it to do. Yeah. Hey, Mike, in the last five or 10 years, has your system of either measuring or teaching changed very much?
3: Well, you know, it's always evolving. You know, we're always looking for better ways to do it, better ways to say it. You know, we, we've we added a couple of screens and, uh, you know, basically, you know, I'm fortunate. I've spent, I've spent a lot of time with the best players and best teachers. Terry Rolls and I are together all the time. I've, I traveled all over the world with uh, JP and also Scott Lynn. I've probably been to 70 countries with those guys. Yeah. So. When you go ahead and you work with somebody and you've got 300 people sitting there watching uh, you and you've got to make them hit it better in five balls, they don't know what you're doing.
2: Absolutely. Can't say it any better. That's the fun part, though. I know I get to practice that skill a lot. I know you do as well. We're having Terry on, on Thursday.
3: You'll enjoy it. Terry's a brilliant guy and a phenomenal teacher.
2: Yeah, I really like Terry. He's a, he's a fun guy for sure. Might need a 10-second delay, but... <laughs> <laughs> We'll keep pushing them along. We'll fill some dead air.
3: you won't need. You won't have any dead air with Terry.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's one of those stories. Okay. All right. I got you. How about uh, a last question I can think of too? I think I slightly hinted on it, but I am curious. So you mentioned tour players and how many of those that you've seen over the years. When a tour player does come to you, do you start by asking them a series of questions outside of what you do with the screening base, or how do you get started with one?
3: Well, I ask them. I screen them. Uh, I'll ask for videos when they play their best to see what they look like and go from there. I mean, each case is different. All I want to know as much about them as possible, how they take information in, what their learning style is. I also want to find out, you know, any injuries, things that they've done, teachers that they've worked with that, it's, that they've hit the ball well or what swing thoughts that they had, and you uh, check them out. I mean, the more information I have, the easier my job becomes.
2: I think that's great. And I appreciate your viewpoint of, uh, you're essentially saying it's not all about, uh, what, you know, either. How how much about a swing, you know, that's the interpersonal skills that are important asking the right questions so that you know where to start and dive in on that problem. And I know hundreds of teachers that have uh, been loyal subjects and followers of your tutelage are all super guys and they have that skill well-trained as well. So I applaud you for everything you're doing in golf. I know it's, Thank it's, I appreciate everyone who's trying to measure things, uh, for sure. And I know you're always trying to improve what you do and get a little better at it every single day. So I think it's great what you've done for golf and for what you continue to do.
3: No, I appreciate you saying that.
2: Yeah,
1: thank you guys for hanging out. This is uh, this is fun. Thank you for your time, Mike and and Matt. And now I'm a front post side cover golfer. I'm going to go figure out what that means tomorrow on the golf course. How about that? <laughs>
3: Well, you know, yeah. just move, move yeah, your right do. hand. and Don't worry about the post. If you swing properly, your body will uh, assimilate that that motion. You need right. to get some cl- you now need you, to get you some can clubs. stop <laughs> sweating. <laughs>
2: that too. Now you can stop sweating, Cordy. It's easy. <laughs> sweating, Cordy. It's easy. <laughs> I I'll report back on be on my low round tomorrow. I well, want come to hear
1: about
3: on, low round. Where are you playing? Uh, Let because I got to get there tomorrow.
1: <laughs> our course opens tomorrow. I gotta I gotta get out at some point. We'll see. Hopefully, I can. Get get done with some work and get out there. I yep. wish this is what our course looked like, right? I think we're going to be shut
2: down at least till uh, May here in Connecticut. No, so oh, no, you're never playing again. It's going to start snowing again in August.
3: It won't snow. Uh, it's long, the, the, the coronavirus, they're not going to let us. Because I'm supposed to be up in New Jersey at the end of this, this month. I Think we're gonna get a plague
4: of locusts. That's the next thing that's gonna happen here. <laughs> it is.
1: <clears throat>
2: Take pictures, put it on social media. I wanna see it.
1: Tag me on uh, that. On that on that positive thought, let's uh, let's end today. <laughs> Thank you guys. See you. <laughs> Thanks.